0: while you're turning there and holding those spots, I would like to one more time thank this church for your generous half of that verse. The Lord knoweth how to deliver the godly. The Lord knoweth how to deliver the godly. Psalm 39 and 8. The psalmist said, Deliver me from all my transgressions. Deliver me from all my transgressions. And then just before you're seated, I'm just going to quote. If you can turn there quick enough, that's fine. A very favorite passage of scripture of mine that I have mentioned several times. And I always mention it because it is the foundation block of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus, when he returned from the wilderness from the 40-day fast. The Bible says He returned in the power of the Spirit. And He entered into the temple. And He took up the book Isaiah. And when He read, I believe it was around the 53rd chapter of Isaiah, where it spoke of one coming that was going to be the Deliverer. He said, this day is this scripture fulfilled in your ears. And He said, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Because he hath anointed me, this is the kickoff, the opening statement of Christ's earthly ministry. He hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. Thank God, he didn't just come for the rich and the well-to-do; or I'd have been left out. But he came to preach the gospel to the poor. He came to heal the broken-hearted and to preach deliverance. Deliverance. He came to preach deliverance to the captives. And I want to preach for just a little while tonight. God loves to deliver. Hallelujah. God loves to deliver. Can you raise your hands and thank Him for what He's done in your life. Can you make a joyful noise unto Him for His goodness in your life? Oh, thank you, Jesus. I thank you, Lord, for saving me from sin, from delivering me from this old flesh, from the lusts of this world, from the hatred of this world. God, from the deceiver. Thank you, Jesus. Bless your name, Jesus. Hallelujah. You may be seated. We serve a God who simply loves to deliver. It is not just something He will do when you back Him into a theological corner. God loves to deliver. If I can use our street vernacular, it turns His crank. When he finds somebody that needs deliverance and is willing to let God step in and work on their behalf as the book of Judges says, mighty to save. When God finds someone who will let him show himself strong on their behalf, you just hit his hot button. Because he loves to deliver. Many times we get to thinking, yeah, God loves to deliver, but I'm not hooked on dope no more. And I'm not hooked on lucky strikes anymore. And I'm not dealing with the bottle anymore. But do you remember what we read where the Bible says, the Lord knoweth how to deliver the godly. What I'm here to tell you is when you repent of your sins and you're washed in water by being buried with Christ in Jesus name and you're filled with the Holy Ghost God doesn't turn around and head the other way and said, okay tow your own wagon now I hope you got what it takes to make it friend he knows how to deliver the godly when a good, when a good saint when somebody who's trying to do what's right finds themselves in situations they don't understand when it seems like things are going wrong and they don't know why when it feels like God's a thousand miles away when every corner they turn it seems like the devil is trying to waylay them and they get going along like that for a while friend of mine, I want you to know God knows how to deliver the Godly He hasn't forgot you And He loves to deliver. Not only that, He loves to deliver those that have fallen by their own transgression. The psalmist said, deliver me from my transgression. In the 69th psalm, he said, deliver me out. the mire and let me not sink he said deliver us in the 79th psalm and purge away our sins makes no difference to god when he came to save us he didn't come for the righteous he came for the unrighteous he loved you when you was yet a sinner It's not because uh, you showed up at church tonight that the Lord wants to deliver you. He wants to deliver you because He loved you while you was a vile, unregenerate sinner. When you was high on your dope. uh, When you was living in your immorality. When you was cursing the God that made you. He still wanted to deliver you. Because He loves to deliver. And He will deliver you out of your transgressions Uh, he will deliver you from your mire he will deliver you out of the pit uh, that you have sunk your own soul in David said I cried unto the Lord in my trouble and my cry came before him even into his ears and my voice did enter into his temple then the earth shook and trembled the foundations of the heavens also moved and were shook because he was wroth. There went up a smoke out of his mouth and fire out of his mouth, devoured. Coals were kindled by it. He bowled the heavens also. Say, what in the world is God throwing such a fit for? Because somebody cried out and said, Deliver me. David cried out and said deliver me he said he bowled the heavens I'm talking about God taking the Milky Way that stretches as far as the eye can see and beyond into the infinity of space and he bowled the heavens also and he came down and darkness was under his feet and he rode upon a cherub and he did fly and he was seen upon the wings of the wind what's going on I'll tell you what's going on somebody hits their knees somebody somewhere in some little back room of some little shabby house uh, that they're at the end of their rope uh, and they say God God if you're really real God if you care for me God if if I can even know you God if you can help me God I need you I'm telling you God gets up off the throne of heaven uh, and he comes down to take care of business uh, because he loves to deliver David went on and said, The Most High thundered from heaven. The channels of the sea appeared. The foundations of the earth were discovered. At the rebuke of the Lord, at the blast of the breath of His nostrils, He sent from above. He took me. He drew me out of many waters. He delivered me from my strong enemy and from those that hated me, for they were too strong for me. He brought me forth also into a large place he delivered me I'm saying when God delivers you he's going to bring you forth into a large place your carnal mind and the devil in this old world is so blind that They'll make you feel like, oh, you're going to miss out on life. Oh, it's going to be all these things you can't do. Oh, you're going to come up on the short end of the stick. Oh, your life's going to lose all its color and flash. And oh, while you're sitting there drinking your life away, while you're going through your third divorce, yeah, that's a lot of color. Yeah, that's a lot of excitement, isn't it? While your kids are dying their hair pink and orange and purple, and and, and you're going through jobs uh, like a revolving door, and, and while you're wondering what's coming and what's going, and why you're tempted every other month to commit suicide, suicide. Uh, oh yeah, that's a lot of color and flash. Uh, I want to tell you what, when God delivers you, He'll bring you out of that old deep, miry, pit of clay. I'm saying He'll set your feet on the rock to stay and He'll put you in a large place. You're not going to get shortchanged. God's going to bring you out into a large place. I'm reminded of a story in Daniel chapter 3. There were three. You know, I'm just going to preach my guts out tonight. I may not be preaching for a few days. That all right? We're going to make up for a couple nights we missed here. Hallelujah. In Daniel chapter 3, you can read the story when you get home. But there's three Hebrew boys that you all are familiar with. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And they served the God we worship. They served Jehovah. They served the one who made heaven and earth. And they were captives in a strange land much like we are. This world is not my home. I'm just a passing through. Hallelujah. I take comfort in that. Just a little side note. I take a lot of comfort in that. That gives me much joy to know I'm just passing through. And they were captives in that land. And King Nebuchadnezzar, he had made them. He had elevated them to a place of rulership in his kingdom. And they were each one a prince over a certain amount of his domain and nebuchadnezzar had this bright idea he made an image of solid gold they estimate that it was probably 90 to 100 feet tall and he erected it in the plains of durah and he now nebuchadnezzar were, ruled a world empire it wasn't like our presidents nowadays Where they can go digging around and see, you know, if they had a girlfriend in their first grade. And if they kissed her and, you know, try and hang him. Uh, It's not like that. These kings were sovereign. They were dictators. They held all power. If they walked in and didn't like the pattern on my tie. And they were so uh, disposed. They could say... Off with that guy's head. It doesn't go with his tie. And before I had a chance to untie my tie, my head would not be with my tie anymore. And they didn't answer to anybody. They were sovereign. And Nebuchadnezzar, he had assembled together the nations and the peoples and the languages from all throughout his world empire. And representatives, I'm assuming, from all over the world And the plain of Durah was filled with hundreds of thousands, probably scores of millions of people. And they were all there. And Nebuchadnezzar said, Since I'm ruling the world, since I'm the king of this world, when I play my music, everybody bows. And he played all manner of music. And when he played it, everybody bowed. Brother Talbot, when he played his music, they started getting it in the discotheque. When he played his music, they started serving the drinks at the bar. When they played his music, they started shooting it up. When they played his music, they headed down to the courtroom, entering into divorce court. When they played his music, that young people started dying the hair 15 different colors uh, and putting earrings in the earlobes and belly buttons and everything else when they played the music uh, they entered into the riotous living uh, the lust of the eyes and the lust of the flesh and the pride of the I want to tell you something you say well I don't know I don't know I want to do my own thing I want to tell you something there ain't nobody doing their own thing there ain't nobody in this world doing their own thing either they're bowing to the music of the god of this world uh, the prince of darkness uh, Apollyon, Abaddon, the destroyer Lucifer, the deceiver either they're bowing to his music uh, and doing what he says uh, or they have submitted themselves to the king of kings uh, and the lord of lords uh, hallelujah and they're walking in the path of righteousness well there was three killjoys at the party that day in the plains of Dura they were standing there with their hands in their pockets and their noses in the air They weren't even scratching their knee, trying to look like maybe a half bow. Kind of like act like they're rubbing their head, Lord bless this food, at the McDonald's restaurant. Oh, no. They were standing there, their chest back. Someone says, how do you know? Just wait till you hear the rest of the story. You'll find out what their disposition was. Well, the king soon found out there's been three. Out of all these millions, only three wouldn't bow. The king, the Bible said, said, bring them to me. When he found out it was Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, can you imagine the psychological pressure he put on them? Here, you slaves, I promote you. I extend to you the hand of benevolence. And you spit on it and cannot defer to me for one moment of gratitude. Oh, he probably laid it on thick. He said, I'm giving you one more chance. Now, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were no fools. They knew how to go in and out. They knew how to be diplomatic. They knew how to conduct themselves and how to answer the king. That's why they were promoted to the place they were though they were not of his nation. He recognized their value. Right. But when it came to a question, ooh, we got to get some of this kind of sand in our crawl. When it came to a question about why we do what we do, why we live like we live, why we're so red-hot radical for Jesus, they said, oh, king, we're not even careful to answer you concerning this matter. Right. Woo! You can be a nice Christian, but be humble about it. Don't get in my face. They said, King, we're not even careful. Ooh, that's belligerent. Yes, it was. King, we're not even careful to answer you concerning this matter. Whether our God will deliver us, we don't know. But what we do know is that we're not going to bow. We're not going to bow to your image we serve the one god and if he chooses to take us home then we'll go home if he chooses to deliver us uh, then you'll see fine full proof that our god loves to deliver Nebuchadnezzar the Bible says he got so mad his lips turned white and his knees started knocking together and he was exceedingly wroth till his countenance was changed and, and, and his eyes, there was probably bugging in the whole nine yards and he said alright, he said we'll see, boy he shouldn't have said this, if your God will deliver you. He said, heat the furnace seven times. Oh, why did you say seven, Nebuchadnezzar? That's the Lord's number of perfection. You might have got by if you said three times hotter or five times hotter or six times hotter, but you just stepped into divine territory. You just got God's attention. You said seven times hotter. Well, God's fixing to show you a thing or two about the almighty that made the heavens and the earth. And you're gonna learn He loves to deliver. Horia la bocosata. Well, they played the music, but the boys didn't dance. They didn't even listen to that rock music in the radio on the way home from wherever in their car. And the king said, throw them in. So he got his biggest, baddest marines. And the Bible says his his most his biggest his best baddest soldiers. Whatever. And took them, bound them, hand, feet, ropes. They were wearing all their princely robes and threw them in the fire. fire was so hot that those soldiers, before they could get away from just throwing them in, getting close enough to throw them in and turn around and get back away from the fire, like trying to roast a marshmallow on a too hot a blaze. you got to pull your hand back. Cool it off and do it again. They could not get their marshmallow out of there quick enough. And they got well done. They fell out and became crispy critters right there on the spot. Nebuchadnezzar, he's got plenty more soldiers, so he's up there on his priestly platform his kingly throne he's looking down he's saying now he's starting to his nostrils are not quite so dilated anymore and starting to breathe a little easier he's just showed them a thing or two and he happens to look down into the furnace from his safe perch and everybody else is doing the, the funky chicken drinking jack daniels but the king he's looking down in there and he says hey you with the face didn't we throw three in the fire and the guy said to jack down down and says yeah three the king's looking and he's going one hey, you, you, come here, come here, finds a sober one, look down in there and count them. One, two, three, four, four. Four! And that old king, that old heathen king, Bible, Bible makes it clear that the spirit of prophecy came on him you imagine? God can talk through a donkey. He can talk through. I'm going to tell you, I've I've talked to men that in the middle of their drunken stupor, God finally penetrated through to them and said, what are you doing with your life? That king, he said, did not we throw three into the fire and behold there is four and the fourth one looks like the son of God. You know, God could have just turned the heat off. He could have just opened the windows of heaven and set a flood down through there and put just turned that fire into big old ball of steam. But instead, he loves to deliver. He just came down in there and started walking around with them. The Bible says their their hands were loosed, the ropes burned off them, but the fire didn't touch their socks, it didn't touch their trousers, didn't touch their robes, didn't singe their hair. There wasn't even a smell of smoke on them. And I'll tell you why. Because we serve a God who loves to deliver. whatever you're living through whatever you're dealing with if you'll put your trust in our God I'm telling you if you'll put your confidence in him though Job said if he slay me yet I'm going to serve him I'm going to trust him I'm putting my confidence in him if you'll do that friend you'll find that our God will walk with you through the fire hallelujah through thick and thin And then old Nebuchadnezzar, he got converted. Then Nebuchadnezzar spake and said, Blessed be the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who hath sent his angels and delivered his servants that trusted in him. And he made a decree that any people, language, or nation speak anything against Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego be cut in pieces, and their houses would be plowed into dung hills. i said say that was pretty good. But there's another story. And this takes place about Daniel chapter 6. And it's about Daniel himself. Nice. Except for now, there's a new king. And his name is Darius. And he's the king of the Medes and the Persians. Right. Daniel. The Bible says there was an excellent spirit found in him. Right. An excellent spirit. Every saint of God, listen here, every new Christian, every one of us, we should be striving always to manifest an excellent spirit. I'm telling you, the world should be able to recognize that they may not like the way we serve our God. They may find fault with a lot of things. But let there be an excellent spirit that exudes, that radiates, that shines out of us. He elevated Daniel. Now here, Darius, just... He, in fact, he overthrew Nebuchadnezzar, Babylon. Now the new world empire was ruled by Darius, king of the Medes and the Persians. Can you imagine all of the lords and executives and whatever that were climbing the corporate ladder that expected, wow, I know, I'm next in line. When we, if we pull this one off, if we, if we whip Babylon, I'm gonna be the president under the king. And instead, some man who served a God nobody could see, they considered him atheist. Because he didn't serve a God made with hands, wood and stone and gold and silver. He served the God that made the silver and the gold. This strange individual, he got promoted. And the Bible says he was second to Darius only in the throne. What that means in high executive terms is that Daniel ran the world, and Darius spent a lot of time fishing. And Darius knew he had a good thing going. He knew. It was you know that you ever heard of the king's cupbearer? You know why they had a cupbearer? Because there were constant plots for assassination. Within uh, those, them, em, those empires, that power, that power was such a thing. that It was so desired because you were sovereign. I mean, you were the power figure of the world. And what you said went. And, and households, fathers would, would kill sons. Sons would kill fathers. Uh, uh, close friends and confidants who had grown up together or had risen together in, 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 the, in the empire. When it came down to having a chance at that throne, the constant bloodletting that took place was heinous. And Darius, they would have a cupbearer. That cupbearer always tasted the king's wine and ate a little bit of his beans and rice to make sure nobody had poisoned him first. Darius had... His top man, second man in command, he didn't have to worry about Daniel going behind the scenes and trying to plot against him and trying to undermine. Darius knew, man, I have got it made. He didn't serve God, but he sure knew a good employee when he saw one. But one day Darius went to sleep because the Bible says that all those other lords and princes in his kingdom, they watched Daniel like a hawk. The Bible says they could find no fault in him except it be concerning the law of his God. Couldn't find a thing wrong. All they could find wrong was that, man, he's been going to church almost every night for three weeks. When he pulls back in, I've just finished my second six-pack of Budweiser. I've smacked my wife, and I feel so dirty. And it's because they've been at church that I feel dirty. And they watched him. And one of them got this bright idea, and he said, You know, I know what we can do. So they all got together, and they plotted. And their plot was this. They went to Darius... And they said, oh, Darius, all of your lords and princes have agreed together. Strange thing. They left off Daniel, their boss, the one they all answered to, forgot him. And they said, we have come up with a, a fine piece of legislation. You know, since you've recently acquired this world empire, we have a decree that we would like you to sign and bring it into law just for 30 days, that for 30 days nobody pray to anyone but you. That way all of these different nations and languages and people that serve their gods, for 30 days they will have to think about you and recognize and realize that it will become anchored in their mind. It will make it real that we now are under Darius. They will turn their attention and their affection to you. And we know they'll never give up all their idols and gods forever. But just for 30 days where nobody is allowed to pray to any god but you. And oh, Darius, he said, boy, that sounds good. He said, that'll work. And he signed it. And they said, oh, one more thing. We want you to seal it with the law of the Medes and the Persians. Well, that law meant that if anybody was caught transgressing that law, all they had to have was three witnesses that said, yes, yes. They were praying to someone beside you. They were praying to their idol. They were praying to Jehovah.
1: They were praying
0: to. And by nightfall of that night, their sentence would be executed. Wouldn't be no six-month trial and $25 million of the taxpayer's money, friend. They would be, and the execution was, they would be fed to the lions by nightfall. Well, Daniel, he heard about the law, and he knew. He knew. Darius... You know, da- I don't think Daniel got the least bit in the... Darius, meanwhile, he doesn't know he's done anything wrong. Until he hears the guards hustling the clanging of their armor as they're bringing the first uh, violator of the law. And it is... The king looks up. Who do they drag in? The Bible says the minute that Darius saw Daniel and he heard the charges again, he knew. He wasn't happy. The king! Wanted out of that law. I said the king of a world empire. He wanted out of that law that he had just passed. The Bible says he labored till the going down of the sun. To find a way to deliver Daniel. But he could not find a way to deliver him. What I'm trying to say to you tonight. Is that all of the world's programs all of the the social programs uh, and all of this positive mental attitude and aa and all these things uh, i realize that some of them are good uh, but friend there isn't any of them that can deliver you there's only one deliverer in the whole world uh, and the lord jesus christ is that deliverer and he loves to deliver Well, run, brother, run! Right, God! Oh, God loves to deliver! Darius, the Bible says he talked with everybody that would talk with him, everybody he could trust. He was running around. He wouldn't eat lunch. He wouldn't eat dinner. He wouldn't eat midnight snack. They were trying to appease him, but Darius was working hard to find a way. And finally, finally, as the sun was setting, he, he he realized it's lost. And with tears, he said, Daniel, I hope your God can deliver you. We'll see if your God can deliver you. Yeah, we'll see, all right. And they took Daniel. And you know, they fed him. When they rolled back that stone, those lions were not these hundred and 150, 180 pound pussycats we got running around in some of our hills around this country. These were those big 500 and 600 pound African lions. And these guys only ate when somebody messed up. And there was a den full of those dudes. And I can just, I can just, you ever been to the zoo when one of them old toothless nags that they've got is just about dead? You know, he's standing there and he starts roaring. I mean, you can be a half a block away at the zoo, and the ground shakes. And you hear this, And he's just clearing his throat. He's not even getting excited about chops. Man, can you imagine, the palace was probably shaking. As that stone rolled away, and those lions all knew, Yippee, it's time to eat. And there was a roaring and a bellowing, and the ground was shaking. And those soldiers took Daniel, threw him down in there, and quick, shut that thing. Now, the Bible says the Lord shut the mouth of the lion. The left the rest is left to conjecture. This is first Paul 1 and 1. Here's how I like to think that God stopped the mouth of the lion. Really like the it just this way. All those lions got lined up and they had their pecking order. And the biggest, baddest one was roaring the loudest. And they were all roaring in decibels just right there stepping down. And they was all saying, I'm getting the lamb chops and I'm getting the back strap and I'm getting the ham hocks and I'm getting the tenderloins and I'm getting the this and I'm getting the that
1: And they're all roaring
0: And the grounds are shaking. And Daniel lands down there in the den. And they all open up real big, ready to go in there and have dinner. And all of a sudden, a roar breaks loose in that place that makes all the other lions sound like the singing chipmunks. I can see as they all stop and whirl around. And there standing in the den is the lion of the tribe of Judah. His eyes are as a flame of fire. His mane is as white as wool. His feet are like brass burning in the fire. And the Lord came down to deliver Daniel. Because he loves to deliver. Hallelujah! Oh, we serve a great God. Hallelujah! Hallelujah! Isn't God great? Hallelujah! That ought to be worth another caramel supreme cream pie. Glory! Oh! You need to pray before the Lord sometime. You need to light yourself in the Lord. He delivered you out of the lions, den. You were being devoured by the lion of this world, uh, by Satan, uh, by the roaring lion of this world. But God shut his mouth and set you free. Hallelujah. <laughs> One minute. You maybe see seated one minute they're all a roaring, the next minute they're all playing mum. I'm not hungry. You hungry? No, I wasn't hungry. This way you want me? I nothing. <laughs> God, shut them up. Darius, the world, people living the good life, up there pulling their hair out, drunk, divorced, kids gone crazy. One thing after another, unhappy. Daniel, meanwhile, is down in the Ryan's den enjoying the first lion's boy chair. He's got Tamu, the tiger, or whatever, and Simba, and and Roscoe and Ralpho, and he's got, I mean, he's leaned back against one mane and got two more big cats for armrest and his feet propped up on one, and they're all just Is this good enough, Daniel? Hallelujah. The Lord prepares the table for me in the presence of mine enemies! Sometimes God wants to fix you some exquisite cuisine, and when you get around your enemies, don't start shaking and running, and falling out in unbelief. The Lord wants to treat you to a real high-class dinner in the presence of your enemies. When everything about you says you should be down and out, but for some reason you're shouting and you're having a Holy Ghost blowout. Spends the night in fitful dreams, sleeping, dreaming of butterflies, rainbows, whatever. First gray light of dawn, here comes Darius. He rolls the stone away, and I love what Darius said. Darius said, "Daniel." Was your God? You can imagine the stillness. He's wondering what's going on down there. They're not even fighting over the bones. That's still. He says, Daniel. The voice echoes down in that dark cavern. Daniel. Was your God able to? deliver oh did you say deliver I got love to deliver <laughs> I said I got love to deliver that's why you're in here tonight I like Daniel's response he got up and he didn't say no look I've got my rights as a Christian. Excellent spirit. Remember that. He stood up and he said, The first thing that king hears is he's waiting. Live forever, O king. I bet that king did the first Holy Ghost jig in the Old Testament. (laughs) Live forever, O king. My God was well able to deliver me out of the lion's mouth. Then King Darius wrote unto all peoples, nations, and languages that dwell in all the earth, Peace be multiplied unto you. I make a decree that in every dominion of my kingdom that men tremble and fear before the God of Daniel. For he is the living God and steadfast forever. And his kingdom, that which shall not be destroyed. And his dominion shall be even unto the end. This is one world king talking about the king of kings. Saying his dominion shall be even unto the end of the world. He delivereth and rescueth. And he worketh signs and wonders in heaven and in earth. Who hath delivered Daniel from the power of the lions. Then that king took those lords and princes that had deceived him. Boy, they sure made a bad calculation. He said, we'll see if your God can deliver you. The Bible says he cast all of them in with their families. And the Bible says that not one of those bodies, and there must have been scores that were thrown into that pit, not one of them touched the den floor before all their bones were broken. By the savagery of those that pack of lions leaping through the air to meet them, gripping and snarling and crunching. Oh well, you win some, you lose some yeah. Whose side you are? Hallelujah. Now I want to bring one more story in closing. In Exodus chapter 3, verse 8, the Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people, which are in Egypt. Egypt was always a type of sin. You say, God considers you his people? Yeah, there's a lot of sinners. But God looks at them and he says, Their life is going down the tubes. And it's not his will that any should perish. And he's made every provision to save you. And he said, I have seen the affliction of my people which are in Egypt, and I have heard their cry by reason of their taskmasters, for I know their sorrows. And I have come down to deliver them could I tell you that when the children of Israel first went down into Egypt the Bible says they lived in a place in Egypt called Goshen and when they first went down there it wasn't bad they were having a good time there was still a thrill to it the Bible says they were multiplying and increasing their The herds were doing good if i can apply it the spiritual application that is meant for us in the word of god it's just like people when they first go down into sin i've talked to them by i don't know how many i've talked to that have told me about the first buzz they had the first time they snorted the first time they took a toke or whatever it was and how it was so great and how that boy they used to come home from work and boy it was just on the weekends they did this and and they felt like the million dollar man or the million dollar woman and and they'd get cleaned up and go down to the dance hall and they felt like they were charisma personified and felt like they were unstoppable and felt like wow am I ever living and they thought but after a little while I've talked to the same ones that said six months later or a year later or some quicker some a little longer things started changing and no longer did I feel like a million bucks I felt like a cheap a fake $3 bill, and and, and I would have stole from my own mother, and and I didn't take baths anymore because I didn't care what anybody thought about me, and I didn't feel like Don Juan. I felt like a piece of trash, but all I was interested in was getting my next fix, and there's people, I'm telling you, there's people, they they, they take off in different areas. It doesn't always have to be drugs. They get going on materialism and acquiring things and making money and all of this. And when they start off, it's fun, but after a while, it consumes them. And the family doesn't mean anything to them. And the children don't mean to them what it should. And they don't place their priorities where they ought to be. And what at first was so much fun becomes an addiction, becomes a domination, becomes a tyrant that rules their life. And that's the way the children of Israel were. They were having a rollicking, frolicking good time when they first went down. But after a while, it wasn't fun no more. After a while, the glamour was all gone. And they started crying out. And they said, God, oh, God save us. And they began to cry. The Lord said, I hear their cry. he came down he sent them Moses he wasn't happy the king wanted out of that law I said the king of a world empire he wanted out of that law that he had just passed the Bible says he labored till the going down of the sun to find a way to deliver Daniel But he could not find a way to deliver him. What I'm trying to say to you tonight is that all of the world's programs, uh, all of the the social programs, uh, and all of this positive mental attitude and AA and all these things, uh, I realize that some of them are good. uh, But friend, there isn't any of them that can deliver you. There's only one deliverer in the whole world. uh, And the Lord Jesus... Says he talked with everybody that would talk with him. Everybody he could trust. He was running around. He wouldn't eat lunch. He wouldn't eat dinner. He wouldn't eat midnight snack. They were trying to appease him. But Darius was working hard to find a way. And finally, finally, as the sun was setting, he he, he realized it's lost. And with tears, he said, Daniel, oh, I hope your God can deliver you. We'll see if your God can deliver you. Yeah, we'll see, all right. And they took Daniel. And, you know, they fed him. When they rolled back that stone, those lions were not these 100, 150, 180-pound pussycats we got running around some of our hills around this country. These were those big 500 and 600-pound African lions. and these these guys only ate when somebody messed up. And there was a den full of those zoos. And I can just, I can just, you ever been to the zoo when all, one of them old toothless nags that they've got that's just about dead? You know, he's standing there and he starts roaring. I mean, you can be a half a block away at the zoo and the ground shakes. And you hear this and he's just clearing his throat. He's not even getting excited about chops. Man, can you imagine, the palace was probably shaking. As that stone rolled away and those lions all knew, yippee, time to eat. And they was a roaring and a bellowing, and the ground was shaking. And those soldiers took Daniel, threw him down in there, and quick, shut that thing. Now, the Bible says the Lord shut the mouth of the lion. The left, the rest, left, the This is first of all, one in one. Here's how I like to thank God. Stop the mouths of the lion. And I really like to thank just All those lions got lined up, and they have their packing order. And the biggest, baddest one was roaring the loudest. And they were all roaring in decibels just right there, stepping down. And they was all saying, I'm getting the lamb chops, and I'm getting the back strap, and I'm getting the ham hocks, and I'm getting the tenderloins, and I'm getting the this, and I'm getting the that. And they're all roaring, and the grounds are shaking. And Daniel lands down there in the den, and they all open up real big, ready to go in there and have dinner. And all of a sudden, a roar breaks loose in that place that makes all the other lions sound like the singing chipmunks. And I can see as they all stop and whirl around. And there standing in the den is the lion of the tribe of Judah. His eyes are as a flame of fire. His mane is as white as wool. His feet are like brass burning in the fire. And the Lord came down to deliver Daniel. Because he loves to deliver. Hallelujah. Oh, we serve a great God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Isn't God great? Hallelujah. That ought to be worth another caramel supreme cream pie. Glory. Oh. You need to pay before the Lord sometime. You need to like yourself in the Lord. He delivered you out of the lion's den. You were being devoured by the lion of this world. Uh, by Satan. Uh, by the roaring lion of this world. But God shut his mouth and set you free. Hallelujah. One minute. You may be seated. One minute. They're all a-roaring. The next minute, they're all playing mum. I'm not hungry. You hungry? No, I wasn't hungry. This way, you want I'm not eating nothing. God, shut their mouth. Darius, the world, people living the good life up there, pulling their hair out, drunk, divorced, kids gone crazy, one thing after another, unhappy. Daniel, meanwhile, is down in the Ryan's den, enjoying the first lion's-y boy chair He's got Tamu the tiger, or whatever, and Simba, and and Roscoe, and Ralpho, and he's got. I mean, he's leaned back against one mane and got two more big cats for armrest, and his feet propped up on one, and they're all just. Is this good enough, Daniel? Hallelujah! The Lord prepares the table for me in the presence of mine enemies. Sometimes God wants to fix you some exquisite cuisine and when you get around your enemies, don't start shaking and running and falling out in unbelief. The Lord wants to treat you to a real high class dinner in the presence of your enemies. When everything about you says you should be down and out, but for some reason you're shouting and you're having a Holy Ghost blowout. Glory. Daniel spends the night in fitful dreams, sleeping, dreaming, butterflies, rainbows, whatever. First gray light of dawn. Here comes Darius. He rolls a way. And I love what Darius said. Darius said, Daniel, was your God? You can imagine the stillness. He's wondering what's going on now. They're not even fighting over the bones. That's it. And he says, Daniel! Voice echoed down that dark Daniel! Was your God able to deliver? Oh, uh, Did you say deliver? loves to deliver <laughs> I said I God loves to deliver that's why you're in here tonight I like Daniel's response he got up and he didn't say now look I've got my rights as a Christian excellent spirit remember that he stood up and he said the first thing that king hears is he's waiting live forever oh king Woo! I'll bet that king did the first Holy Ghost jig in the Old Testament. Live forever, O king. My God was well able to deliver me out of the lion's mouth. Hallelujah. Then King Darius wrote unto all peoples, nations, and languages that dwell in all the earth, Peace be multiplied unto you. I make a decree that in every dominion of my kingdom that men tremble and fear before the God of Daniel. For he is the living God and steadfast forever. And his kingdom that which shall not be destroyed. And his dominion shall be even unto the end. This is one world king talking about the king of kings. Saying his dominion shall be even unto the end of the world. He delivereth and rescueth any work of signs and wonders in heaven and in earth. Who hath delivered Daniel from the power of the lions. Then that king took those lords and princes that had deceived him. Boy, they sure made a bad calculation. He said, we'll see if your God can deliver you. Bible says he cast all of them in with their family. And the Bible says that not one of those bodies, and there must have been scores that were thrown into that pit, not one of them touched the den floor before all their bones were broken by the savagery of those, that pack of lions leaping through the air to meet them, ripping and snarling and crunching. Oh, well, you win some, you lose some. <laughs> Whose side you are. Hallelujah. Now, I want to bring one more story in close. And in Exodus chapter 3, verse 8, the Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people, which are in Egypt. Egypt was always the type of sin. You say, God considers you his people? Yeah, there's a lot of sinners. that God looks at them and he's saying, fine, their life is going down the tubes. And it's not his will that any should perish. And he's made every provision to save you. He said, I have seen the affliction of my people which are in Egypt, and I have heard their cry by reason of their taskmasters; for I know their sorrow, and I have come down to deliver them. But could I tell you that when the children of Israel first went down into Egypt, the Bible says they lived in a place in Egypt called Goshen. And when they first went down there, it wasn't bad. They were having a good time. There was still a thrill to it. The Bible says they were multiplying and increasing. The their herds were doing good. If I can apply it, the spiritual application that is meant for us in the Word of God, it's just like people when they first go down into sin. i talked to them by I don't know how many i talked to that have told me about the first buzz they had, the first time they snorted, the first time they took a toke, or whatever it was, and how it was so great, and how, the, boy, they used to come home from work, and, boy, it was just on the weekends they did this and and they felt like the million dollar man or the million dollar woman and and they'd get cleaned up and go down to the dance hall and they felt like they were charisma personified and felt like they were unstoppable and felt like wow am I ever living and they thought but after a little while I've talked to the same ones that said six months later or a year later or some quicker some a little longer things started changing and no longer did I feel like a million bucks I felt like a cheap a fake three dollar bill and and I would have stole from my own mother and, and I didn't take baths anymore because I didn't care what anybody thought about me and I didn't feel like Don Juan I felt like a piece of trash but all I was interested in was getting my next fix and there's people I'm telling you there's people they think they, they take off in different areas it doesn't always have to be drugs they get going on materialism and, and acquiring things and making money and, and all of this and when they start off it's fun but after a while it consumes them and the family doesn't mean anything to them And the children don't mean to them what it should. And they don't place their priorities where they ought to be. And what at first was so much fun becomes an addiction, becomes a domination, becomes a tyrant that rules their life. And that's the way the children of Israel were. They were having a rollicking, rullicking good time when they first went down. But after a while, it wasn't fun no more. After a while, the glamour was all gone. And they started crying out. And they said, God. Oh, God save us. They began to cry. The Lord said, I hear their cry, and I'm coming down to deliver. When he came down, he and sent them Moses. Moses came to those people and said, all right, out of they had wanted it. They had been groaning for it. Their children had been murdered in before their eyes. The whip was laid on their back every day. But do you know there was still an, an element of fear in their hearts when it actually came? Do you hear me now? This is important. There was still an element of fear in their hearts. When it came to leaving that slavery and those mud pits and all of the horror that went with that slavery, there were those that said, what are we going to do? What's it going to be like? Where are we going to go? Just change. Even when people are dying, the human nature fears change. But you cannot let that dominate you. You cannot let that dictate your actions. There came a time when Moses said, okay, at midnight tonight, we are getting out of here. And they went through all of the preparation. And when midnight, uh, they got ready to leave. You know, some people, I I I want to really nail something here. When they got ready to leave Egypt, they didn't leave there a bunch of destitute, broke slaves. The devil tries to tell people, you get in that church and you're going to lose all your friends. You you won't be able to do nothing. You won't be able to have no fun. You'll be like a zombie. That's the biggest bunch of booey-hooey I ever heard in my life. You hear me? We have more fun than a barrel full of monkeys. We have more fun than the whole world put together. And we even got all of our senses to enjoy it with. Devil tells people, oh, man, oh, man, you're going to, man, what you going to do? I'm telling you. And fear comes on people. You know what? When the children of Israel got ready to get out of Egypt, God said, all right, you go over and start asking all of your slave masters for their valuable. Now, you got to understand, there's already been, what, nine plagues, and this is the tenth one, I think, if I remember, coming up. Bad plague. It's general knowledge all across Egypt. The slaves are trying to get out of here for months. General knowledge. They're threatening to leave and never come back. And this last night, and it's general knowledge that tonight God's going to send another plague, and they've said they're leaving here. But the Lord, the God that loves to deliver, sent a spirit across that land, and those slaves went walking up, knocking on the doors of the same guy that was whipping them on the back earlier that day. And when he opened the door, they'd say, Good evening, Master. Uh, I would like to know, do you have any money that I could borrow for a while? You see, I'm making that up. No, I'm not making that up. And he pulls out a 20. They say, No, we need a little more than that. So he empties his wallet and they say, Where do you keep your sash? And they look in there and they see that big old vase with emeralds mm-hmm. and pearls studded around the crown, a that thing that's worth. Mm-hmm. And they said, Do you mind if we have that? And for some reason, that wife that's guarded that heirloom, I mean, she had to cut off her husband's head before she'd let him try the dust thing. Amen, ladies? She says, Well, honey, I guess that'll be okay. That's just a little subtle, the under the, uh, you know, behind the scenes type of things God was doing when he was getting ready to deliver. What I'm telling you is when God brings you out of sin, and when he brings you into the family of God, and when he brings you into the promised land, uh, when he brings you into his household, uh, he's not bringing you to make you a destitute uh, pauper, a beggar, uh, someone whose life is destitute of. I'm telling you, the devil's a big liar. He's a deceiver. He's the one stripping you. He's the one robbing you blind. He's the one taking everything from you that's worth anything in life put your trust in the God that loves to deliver he'll give you the riches of heaven he'll give you life on earth he'll give you eternal life also he owns a cattle on a thousand hills he's got a thousand gold mines that men have never discovered none of it's a challenge to him so they headed out of there, friend. They headed out of, the Bible says, with their goats, with their oxen, with their herds. They headed out of there with carts loaded with jewels and gems and precious things. And they was heading out of Egypt. But they got about three days out there. Now I want you to really hear all this. They got about three days out there. And all of a sudden, they heard a rumble in the background. They look back. They saw a cloud of dust. And in the distance, they said, uh-oh, here comes the Pharaoh. They're mad. They're not coming to negotiate. They're coming for revenge. They're gonna kill a bunch of us, take our children back as slaves, because they've gotten over all of their firstborn being dead three days later. And they're coming back now with blood in their eye. And if we think we've ever had it bad before, friend, it's gonna really be rough now. And they all got ready to go somewhere, but when they looked in front of them, there was the Red Sea. And when they looked on the left, there were mountains. And on the right, there was the desert. And there was three million of them. And they said, Moses, what do we do now? Because you see when God starts to deliver and when God starts working in your life the devil always makes one last grand attempt. I said the devil always musters up one last mighty assault to try and drag you back to Egypt. But Moses said stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. And I like what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 10. He said they were all baptized unto Moses in the cloud and in the sea. When they went through the Red Sea, they went through the waters of baptism. And Peter said, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of your sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. You'll be baptized in the sea, and you'll be baptized in the cloud when you're obedient. And there's one thing about it when you're baptized oh friend of mine all of the guilt of your past sins all of the guilt that the devil says you're never going to get away from this guilt it's always going to hound you this guilt's going to drag you back down when you go in the water in jesus name and you're buried with christ in baptism all of those sins are completely forgiven the lord takes and he throws them into the sea of forgetfulness he removes them as far as the east is from the west he hides your sins from himself. And the Bible says he'll never remember them again. Never. You can go to him and say, oh, God, I want to forgive you. And he says, for what? Oh, you know that thing. I did what thing. And I'm coming to a close now. But the enemy was coming as they went through the Red Sea. They were fearful because they still saw the enemy coming. But Moses, in the process of that journey, told those people. He said, turn around and take a good look at those Egyptians. He said, you look at those slave masters. You take a look at those that have tyrannized your life. He said, get a good look at them. He said, because the Egyptians that you see today, you will see no more forever. Hallelujah. They all came out on the other side. The Egyptians came running down through there. Bible says the Lord looked down on the host of the Egyptians of a pillar of fire. You know if they had a bothered to look up that day, they'd have saw who was looking at them. I think they'd have turned their little wagons around and just went back to Egypt. If they didn't realize that God loves to deliver, and the good work He has begun in you, He is able to finish. He didn't bring you this far just to leave you. He's gonna keep that which you have committed to Him. Keep it committed to Him. The Bible says, that the angels of the Lord, the Lord sent his host. They began to pull the wheels off those chariots. One minute, they're making good time. The next minute, they're all high-centered. The whole army was in confusion. Moses stretched his rod out over the sea. The sea covered them and destroyed them. And then there's a little verse in Exodus. Oh, I it's around chapter 28. I forget exactly. But it goes like this. It says, and the children of Israel went walking by the seashore the next morning. And they saw the Egyptians floating dead upon the seashore. Can you imagine? They're walking along. And all of a sudden, some little kid says, well, daddy, right there is Brutus. Dad says, how do you recognize him, son? The fish have already worked him over. Well, because he's got that big tattoo on his bicep. And they're looking at these, they're looking at what used to tyrannize them. Do you understand that the things you're struggling with right now and you think I'll always struggle with it, you will not always struggle with it. Someday, if you'll keep your hand in the master's hand, If you'll follow the man of God that's holding the rod out and saying, follow me. we got to get out of Egypt. I don't care if you're scared. I don't care if you're fearful about tomorrow. Put your faith in God and follow me, follow me, follow me. Someday the things that used to completely possess you and dominate you, you'll look at them floating dead on the seashore. And you'll say, I can't believe that used to be such a hang up with me. I used to think I would always struggle with this in my mind. I used to think I would always have this fear. I used to think I would always be dealing with this temptation. Friend of mine, you will not always be dealing with it because we serve the God that loves to deliver. He's going to give you complete victory. Hallelujah. Let's all stand to our feet. Thank you, Jesus. David said, when I kept silence, my bone waxed old through my roaring all the day long. He said, I acknowledge my sin unto thee, and mine iniquity have I not hid. I said, I will confess my transgressions unto the Lord, and thou forgavest the iniquity of my sin. God wants to deliver tonight. God loves to deliver. I want to challenge you to put your fear out of your mind. Put your apprehension and your inhibition out of your mind. And put your faith and your confidence in God. I'm saying call on Him. He loves to deliver. I'm saying obey the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Follow. Follow His word. Repent of your sins. Go through the waters of baptism. He'll baptize you in the water and in the cloud. And you'll look back on those things that used to dominate you. And they'll never have power over you again. Now we're going to sing. And I'm opening this altar up.